Make sure to record the cloud. Hey guys, I'm going to slap the next person. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the industry 4.0 community live stream. Uh, we're here live every week. So make sure you guys subscribe and turn on bell notifications because every uh, Tuesday we're answering your questions. Uh, we've got Vaughn Turner, director of marketing, outreach, and education. How's it uh, going? Uh, and also we've got uh, your instructor and your mentor, your industry 4.0 mentor, Walker Reynolds. Hello, people. <laughs> How is everyone doing? Hey, I don't have, uh, just so you guys know, I don't have a second monitor today. As you can tell, I'm in a different office. <clears throat> so I won't be able to see the questions. So Zach and Vaughn will be happy to uh, track those for me. Uh, I want to, uh, let me go and share my screen. Um, Kill, kill, kill. Uh, Zach, do I need to wait for more people to join or? No, I'm, I'm going to drop, a, I'm going to share it in Discord right now. Okay, cool. Um, this, should, this shouldn't be that long. We should probably be able to do this in 30 minutes or so. So this won't be one of the very long live sessions. I did a, a uh, well, a couple things. I'm in upstate New York right now and it snowed today and I'm not just not used to snow and i hate it <laughs> uh i don't know why anyone likes the snow even people who go skiing i i don't understand why i know you can go skiing like in california and it's beautiful weather there so i don't know why you wouldn't live in a place that's got great weather and then you just drive into a mountain to go skiing but i, I just don't understand people who like snow um <clears throat> i want to start with uh, I want to give a shout out to Dan Reagan. So Dan, I want to give him a shout out for two reasons. So those of you guys who don't know, Dan is a member of the mentorship program. He's a, uh, instrumentation guy, but he's a former, he used to own a technology company that he sold some years back. And, and then, you know, he does instrumentation now and he's, he's learning all about digital transformation. And we've, we have a lot of really great conversations, but the other day he sent me an email and the subject line was rule of Borg, what any nodes know, all nodes know, right? And <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to read the email until maybe six hours after it came in. So I was driving and I saw the subject line. I'm like, oh, that's such a great line. Um, and when I finally read the email, in the email, he talks about how he came up with this rule of Borg many, many, many years ago. And, and this line, what any nodes know, all nodes know. And the reason I, I saw that was, you know, the reason that resonates is because the, 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 that is the unified namespace. Like we're trying to explain to someone what a unified namespace is. You know, I'll use terms like in industry, the unified namespace is omnipresent and omniscient. Omniscient means it knows everything and it's omnipresent. It means it's everywhere, right? And that's what this line says, the rule of Borg, what any nodes know, all nodes know. Um, and, uh, you know, he and I had a great conversation about this and, and he gave us permission to like use the line if we want to. And I think we're going to, because we keep trying to come up with ways to explain, you know, what the unified namespace actually is. We get so many questions about it. How do you leverage the unified namespace? And this is just one more way that should, should help to clarify it. The other thing I wanted to give him a shout out for was, 
Um, so I, I went into the office Saturday morning and I had just sat down to my desk and Dan had reached out to me, uh, saying, Hey, you know, there's a study group of mentees that we get together every other Saturday, um, on teams uh, at like 6am, I think Pacific. And he said, Hey, you know, it would be great one of these days if you could just drop in. And I'm like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm available right now. You know, why don't I, and I, I got a chance to drop in and it, with this group while they, they were in the middle of their session. And, it, you know, I got to spend 20 or 30 minutes with them answering questions and seeing what it is, like how they were collaborating. I laughed that he used the Bernie Sanders meme because I see this everywhere right now online. And I don't understand why it's taken off, if I'm being honest with you, but it has. Um, but the the event actually was really, really cool, like what they were going over. Um, and I hope, I hope to see more of this. I mean, this is, you know, the, this is a group of guys who are like super active in the mentorship program and in digital mastermind. It's a com combination of guys who do digital mastermind and mentorship. And, uh, it was actually a really great experience to like hang out with these guys for a half hour and, you know, just, you know, answer questions. And what I app, hopefully, what app is that, that you guys are using where you're kind of in an audience together? That's teams. Dan's the one who put that together. <clears throat> so I think what he did, yeah, it's Microsoft teams is, uh, where he took that screenshot from. So I'm not sure how he did it though, but, uh, okay. A couple of updates. Anyway, I just wanted to give a shout out to Dan for that because that was, you know, pretty damn cool. I had a lot of fun. Um, a YouTube channel has been changed 4.0 solutions. You guys know that we're up to 920 active users in the discord server. Very cool. Frameworks University. I don't know if you guys, um, uh, I'm, I'm assuming most of the people who, um, uh, I'm assuming most of the people on here were part of the, the frameworks launch event. Um, the, uh, take a look and see. So that launch event was incredibly successful. Um, more than 1100 people have watched the event, um, since we launched it 1153. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, we talked to Tatsoft, you know, Hey, how, how did things go for you guys? Um, you know, they said they got a lot of like interest in the, in the platform, more than 107, I think over a hundred people have signed up for the frameworks university. I think more, a little more than 10 have completed the first module and passed the, the first quiz. And I assume did the practical work module two will be released this week. But those of you who, um, if you didn't get a chance to attend the event, the event, um, Zach did a, a breakdown, um, on YouTube. What I would recommend is that you guys watch the keynote, um, the problem with prevailing thought and what actually works. This is the stuff that you see within that we're constantly presenting on. Um, and then if you guys want to know what's new in factory studio 9.1, um, you know, you can, you can see that at about the hundred one hour, seven minute mark. Um, and then some conversations about Python MQTT support, and then the, uh, university demo, and then the closeout. Um, anyway, it was incredibly well received. I've gotten a ton of, uh, feedback. So, um, a big, a big shout out and a big thank you to, uh, um, Tatsoft again for partnering with us on the Frameworks University. 
uh, enterprise mentorship, which we've been talking about. Um, there will be an announcement this week. Uh, we've been working on, so we've gotten a lot of requests in terms of digital mastermind. So if you guys go to IAOT.university or Intellic.online, they go to the same domain. Um, and, you, and if you guys go to uh, the store, you'll see there's digital mastermind step one, digital mastermind step two, and there's like a coming soon digital mastermind step three. We got a lot of requests to just re uh you know, do digital mastermind more frequently. We have been, had been doing it once a quarter. So basically a four to eight hour session once every three months. And, and each step basically builds on the previous one. So digital mastermind is all about teaching people how to manage digital transformation projects and how to, um, how to lead them, how to manage them, how to architect them. And, um, we got a lot of requests, you know, instead of doing the steps individually, can you just make it a recurring product that we can just sign up for it and it's a membership. And so Zach and Vaughn have been working on that and they, you, are you guys announcing that this week? I know I saw the video that you shot, Zach. Um, are you guys announcing this week? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. Um, UNS gateway beta signups, shout out to Dan. Uh, I want to give a couple of shout outs. One to Dave Schultz, one to Kevin Jones. I don't know if you guys saw this, but, uh, so Kevin Jones is with, um, Ectobox. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, he actually published a video, um, this, uh, CMMS work order from a compressor. This is really cool. Uh, Kevin, if you're on, um, I really dug this, but uh, I recommend you guys go ahead and take a look at the, uh, the CMMS work order from a compressor video. And then Dave Schultz, who uh, owns G5 Consulting, uh, he just created his YouTube channel and, and published a couple of videos. One was working from the edge. The other one's level up your take farm. I definitely dug the working from the edge video. I have not watched the level take farm yet, but highly recommend that. And then the last thing is Javier uh, Massineras. He, uh, he wrote an article um, on Medium. He, Javier is a member of the Discord server, but he wrote an article on digital transformation versus intelligent automation that I did get a chance to read. Very interesting. Um, uh, I think I'm probably going to shoot a video to to fully comment on it, but it was definitely uh, it's it's definitely worth your uh, your time to read it if you guys want to. Um, and Zach will include the link in the um, in the description of this video. All right. With that, uh, Zach, any questions in the, um, yeah. Uh, oh, and clarification, Javier, Javier, uh, is part of the mentorship program. He and I actually had a good call yesterday and also your camera appears to not be working. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Uh, the battery died. I'm using my Canon EOS M50 as my webcam because of where I am. Okay. You guys will just have to go without being able to see my beautiful face. Mm. Or do you want me to change my battery? I can do that. It's up Zach. to you. Uh, no, it's up to you. You're the digital media guy. I don't want to get yelled yeah, at later. Yeah, I want you. Yeah, I want you go ahead and, and do that real quick. And is it really meantime, that important? You'll go yeah. ahead and go and do your thing. Yeah, actually, right, cool. um, it's absolutely so, that important. All right. Okay. Actually, I can start sharing. So, um, and you guys are you guys uh, that are that were part of step one or step two. Uh, mastermind, you, you're going to get an email from us. Um, actually, where did this go? There we go. 
uh, you guys are going to get an email from us uh, with a special link. But basically, we are announcing, as Walker said, the Digital Factory Mastermind program. And that is, it's building on step one and step two, which we did last year, which were hugely successful. Uh, so going forward, instead of doing step three, like once a quarter, step four, we're going to do masterminds every month. Uh, so it's not going to be a four to six hour mastermind every month. It's going to be like a two to three hour mastermind every month. And it's um, going to continue to build on what we learned in step one and step two. One of the benefits of uh, joining is, you know, you can subscribe for a monthly payment option. You get access immediately to step one mastermind. You can go through step two, which is ERP secrets revealed. Um, you know, many of you guys have probably already watched the free one hour training webinar. Uh, to get your, you know, get your tongue wet and, and get an idea of what the tongue concepts wet. that we are to get, to get your palate wet. Yeah, there we go. To, to wet your palate a little bit about what mastermind's all about. Um, so yeah, this is the page that we've built and, uh, there's two options monthly or annual. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. We're going to be, uh, Walker, um, you know, meeting with Walker every month, he is going to be developing the content and we're going to be walking through the steps of digital transformation with you. Oh, there we have Walker. I'm back. There he is. All right. So let me, so and I've only just reach out there, to us about that. Are there any questions in the chat? If not, I'm going to go over the questions here. So we got, I got a message. What, 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 this question came from where this is a student. This is a guy who just finished. Uh, he extended his education. He's been working 16 years or whatever, but he had a couple of questions, professional questions. Um, Zach, where did this question come from again? That was on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay. So the question that uh, this guy asked, I, I, he didn't give, I didn't specifically ask him for permission to use his name. So that's why I'm just going to answer the question without giving him a shout out is, uh, you know, what level of knowledge about IIoT technology is necessary to become a solutions architect? Um, so concerning technologies, I understand based on your video, you know, systems integration, uh, solution architect, that's important to know the characteristics and requirements of technologies, but not as an integrator that will implement them. Yeah. So what he's saying is, is can a, can a solutions architect, can you be a solutions architect and not necessarily be a systems integrator? And the answer is yes, you can be. I mean, the people who architect digital transformation solutions are all about building the technology stack, the minimum technical requirements, and then making sure that all of the nodes in the ecosystem meet those minimum technical requirements. Now, does it help to have experience being a systems integrator? Absolutely, because you're aware firsthand of the challenges integrators face when integrating new automation processes. Um, yeah, we get this question a lot, this question number two, do you have any class or paper teaching how to perform a digital transformation maturity assessment and a roadmap? And in fact, Zach has said, hey, listen, we really ought to do this. We ought to teach people how to do the maturity assessments and the roadmaps. Um, I've just kept saying, well, I'm not even sure anybody would be interested in like the, the, maybe the number of people who would be interested in doing that would be so small. It might, you know, our efforts might be spent better somewhere else, but if people are interested in us doing this, putting together a class to teach you how to do maturity assessments. How do we do it? What is the 23 point um, questionnaire that we use? You know, how do we schedule the week? Um, all that kind of stuff, the week or two. And then, you know, what does the roadmap look like? Just 
you know, uh, I don't know, work with that, like, uh, you know, either say yes in the chat or, uh, you know, if anybody's interested in that, please, you know, let us know. Um, and then the last question was with the mentorship program, is it possible, uh, he could cover his knowledge gaps that would help him to enable him to work in the IAT projects at an acceptable level? Uh, the answer is yes. That's exactly what mentorship is designed for. So mentor, the mentorship program is all about professional development for technical professionals, automation professionals, digital transformation professionals. It's all about the actual skills you need to be an engineer on a digital transformation or IIoT team. That's what mentorship is all about. That's why you're learning Python. That's why you're learning SQL. That's why you're learning data analytics. That's why you're learning how to work in the various IIoT platforms. That's why you're learning how to create a machine learning model and what to do with the predictions that come out of that model. That's what mentorship is all about. In terms of how long does it take to complete mentorship? Well, that depends on how far you go with it. So mentorship is a series of steps, just like in, you know, if you look at how long it took me professionally to develop as, as an IIoT professional, you know, it took me 15 years start to finish before I was, you know, at a level where I could basically do any type of project, I could architect any solution and I could, you know, go in front of really large organizations, you know, big, huge enterprise customers and be, you know, the point person, right? I, I think the average person is going to spend um, definitely no less than six months in mentorship going through at least the first two steps, um, which would get you through Python, SQL, um, uh, Ignition, Factory Studio, uh, Introduction to Machine Learning, Introduction to MES, Advanced Python, Advanced SQL, and to get you through all that stuff that first six months. Um, but I, I think most people are probably going to spend a year in mentorship at least. And some may stay in mentorship for, um, you know, two years, three years, they may stay forever. It, it, it could be, I mean, cause one of the side, one of the added benefits of mentorship is, you know, you have this, this team of colleagues. I mean, you're basically creating a virtual team of IIoT professionals in your mentorship group. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, I could imagine people staying forever. Um, and, and mentorship is always growing. I mean, as tech, we're agile. As technology changes, as new introductions come in, or as the knowledge base of the mentees expands, we, we continue to add new steps to mentorship to continue to expand everyone's knowledge base. So um, the answer is yes, that's exactly what mentorship is designed for. And then he said, I mean to acquire the necessary knowledge to lead or support digital transformation projects with a good level of confidence based on the complete ecosystem. There's a huge difference between leading a digital transformation project, which is digital, that's a digital mastermind, and supporting a digital transformation project. You know, the digital mastermind is all a digital factory mastermind is is a is about teaching people to be the digital transformation officer of an organization or the director of digital transformation. You are the, you're the chief person and you, you own digital transformation. And so we do go into detail on a lot of the technology, but it's more application of the technology as opposed to um, developing the technology. 
Yes, there are people who work in the platforms. Yes, that we're building unified namespaces, but we're building the UNS to lay the ground the to lay the groundwork for uh, so that you can understand contextually how the UNS works, so that you can architect an enterprise class solution. I have a so, quick question yeah. came in on Discord. Someone asked. They said, you know, mentorship looks like you can sign up. And if you're not satisfied with mentorship, you can cancel anytime. Mastermind comes with the one year commitment. Can you explain why? Yes. Yeah, so mastermind, we've already done two steps of mastermind. Um, and, um, and we had 30 something people do the first two steps, 30, 36 unique people did digital mastermind step one and step two, the, uh, the information inside of digital mastermind is incredibly valuable. Okay. And part of the reason that we, we, the price of it is so much higher is there are, there are people in the community who do not share the same values we share. Um, there are people in the community who there are a lot of people in, in the automation community who do not have the best interest of manufacturing at heart. In fact, they could give a shit about their customers. They could give it, I mean, a, an absolute flying fuck. I don't, for real. And I've had conversations with many, many industry professionals who could care less about whether or not manufacturing is in the United States or whether it's in, you know, Vietnam or Malaysia they could just care. What they care about is buying a faster Porsche, a bigger boat. And by the way, the, those people in our industry are in the majority. Okay. So there are, you know, there are people within people who are not our, um, they are not our allies in this, in this, um, venture. Okay. The reason that our community has grown to the size that it is, is simply because we say the things that a lot of other people think. I mean, and I was telling, you know, a member of the community this the other day, you know, the reason we resonate is because we say things people already think, right? Rockwell is a fucked up company, right? Rockwell Automation is a fucked up company. The Gartner Magic Quadrant is nothing but bullshit, okay? It's, you know, it, it you know, I... I was going to, one of the things I was going to show today was, you know, I own 44 companies. Okay. I own five companies in the industrial automation space and my companies, me and my companies get emails all the time from companies like Gartner and McKinsey and all these other organizations who are willing to allow us to pay to win awards. Okay. And to be put on lists and the here, and here's how they, and, and I'm, I'm saying this within the, the construct of not everyone is our ally. And that's the reason that did that digital mastermind is not cheap because right. what's but inside introduced the, we introduced the monthly payment option to make yeah, it let more me, affordable. Right. Yeah. But, but what it is, is we, there are people who, who have already, who paid money upfront for digital mastermind step one and two and and one of the things that we talked about, if we were going to go to like this monthly fee, I, you sidetracked me. I wanted to finish that point, which I will. But part of the reason that we wanted to, we went to this monthly fee is we, we if we were going to go to this monthly fee, we were going to do it because people are asking us to, to offer that type of payment structure. 
we wanted to do it in a way that didn't hurt the people who already paid the the full price up front for step one and step two. And we wanted to incentivize people to make sure they do step one and two. I do not believe that somebody can join Digital Mastermind in step three and not watch step one and two or the foundation at the beginning and, and really grasp the concepts fully. You know, at the end of the day, I care more that people learn this yeah. than I do, you know, to create a new revenue stream. The, the revenue streams exist for one reason and one reason only. I have a board of directors that makes me have, you know, you know, I, I, I may own the companies, but I have a board that makes all the decision that makes all the major decisions and I got to keep them happy. So we got to have revenue streams. They have a fiduciary responsibility, just the way business works. So my goal is to try and make it as easy as possible for everyone to get access to this. So what originally what we were proposing was we'll, we'll let people come in, they can pay by the month and they'll just start in step three. But what I said to Zach and Vaughn was, listen, we can't do that. Everybody's got to go through step one and two. If they're going to join mastermind, they've got, we, we, they need to see the foundation. They got to go through step one. They got to go through step two so that they get the most out of it. And that's a lot of content and it's in, it's a lot of very valuable content. So there's 15 hours of content in there and it's a deep dive. I mean, these are deep dives in constructing unified namespaces and, you know, the role of ERP and connecting various nodes all over the world together in real time, it's valuable stuff. So, so to answer your question, um, we had to require so that we didn't penalize the people who have already paid for step one and two upfront they didn't break it out over a year. We had to require that if you're going to join Mastermind, you make a one-year commitment so that everyone is on equal footing. Because if we didn't do it that way, if we didn't require the one-year commitment, you could, in theory, join, pay for one month, pay, and get all the content that other people paid $3,000 for. And there's no way we were going to put the people who already paid that full price in that position. There's no way we're going to do that. So that's the reason. Now you're still getting it at a discount. If you commit to 12 months, you're still paying less than what most people pay, what the other people paid. But I think they can live with that. Um, the, 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 you know, the core group of guys who do digital mastermind. I want to go back to my, my point that I was answering. You know, another reason that digital mastermind is so expensive, and it is, you know, in my opinion, it's expensive. Um, Although a lot of people keep telling us that we're not charging enough for it. They think it sh we should be charging more, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about the money. It, you know, it makes the board happy. We're at the level we're at. So I can live with that. Um, we, there are a lot of people out there who, you know, we, there are a lot of organizations, all the organizations who we say are the problem. They watch our content. We know they watch our content. We know many of their employees watch our content. Um, and they, and what they're trying to do is take the technology that we're developing and, and, the, and, and the philosophies that we're espousing, and they're trying to figure out how to monetize it themselves, but to the detriment of the community. Now, I believe that we don't have anything to worry about, that the community itself is much more powerful than these monoliths. But I, um, it's just very important to note that while we give away a lot of free content, we don't want to make it any easier for the companies who are part of the problem in industrial automation to rip off their customers. Yeah, I don't wanna make it any easier for 
you know, the Rockwells of the world to key. I want to incentivize Rockwell to change the way they do business, right? I want to change the way they do business. I don't want to give them more tools to keep, you know, to stay financially viable so they can keep doing things the way they're doing them. Um, I want to go back to the, the point about, you know, I own 44 companies and we get emails all the time. <laughs> sometimes they come into my inbox. Sometimes they come into the contact email from all of these big name organizations that you see these, you know, you know, best in class IIoT lists, um, you know, magic quadrants, all this kind of stuff. All of that stuff is paid for. If your name, let me make this perfectly clear. If your name gets on a list, one of those lists, you paid something for it. I promise you. Um, you know, and the, what they do it is they do it in the form of a sponsorship fee. We become, we're, we're offered, we're finalists for many, 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 many awards. You know, probably last year alone, we got like a hundred different invitations to join these, these, you know, be one of these award winners. And what they do is they, in, in so, so that it's not a blatant quid pro quo. So it's not like, Hey, I paid you a quarter million dollars. Therefore I win. Okay. I win this award or you include me on this list. What they do is they say, Hey, you're a finalist for this. You know, we think you're a bleeding edge technology. You guys are really, really awesome. We hear a lot of great things about you and we've got this opportunity. We, you're a finalist for this list to be on this, get, get on this list or win this award. And, um, you know, we, we'd like to invite you to sponsor the, this event or this, this uh, award, and they'll give you this specific amount of money. It's going to cost in the email, you know, Hey, for $25,000, you're going to get X, Y, and Z. Well, you know what that money guarantees you? It guarantees you a spot on that list. Do you know what not spending that money guarantees you? It guarantees you that you're not on the list. And we've never paid for it. And therefore we've never made those lists, but within the community, within the community, you know, we're in the, we're in the top echelon and that's all that matters to us. And let, and let me say this one last thing, you know, if you look at all of the, the awards and stuff out there, right. The, you know, what was it? The IOT, there was a new one that just came out. I never even heard of before, you know, it was like the IOT best in class thing or whatever. If you look at the, you know, it was somebody in the Discord server talked about it. Rockwell Automation was picked, you know, the innovative, you know, IoT innovation company, you know, number one IoT innovation company in the world. And anybody who knows anything, I mean, th those awards are designed to fool CEOs who don't know any better. They're those awards were designed to fool CTOs who don't know any better. But the people who know, if you, anyone who knows anything knows that Rockwell Automation should be in the middle of the pack when it comes to IoT. They're not at the bottom of the pack and because they make a lot of, there are some great products that they make that are, that are going to help, you know, do, make companies much more competitive in the market. But the, Rockwell Automation is not a leader in IoT by any stretch of the imagination, by any stretch, not even close not even close are they a leader. Um, and certainly if we were going to talk about any of the behemoths, the large organizations, if we're talking about Siemens, Aviva, Rockwell, Schneider Electric, Siemens is the one that's at the top of that list because they have WinCCOA. And, and so Siemens would be at the top of that list. And, and even we don't really 
consider Siemens a leader in IoT. And Schneider, by the way, is the big up and coming one. I, I, after all my conversations with Schneider, I, I believe more and more and more that they are moving in the right direction uh, with respect to IoT. My conversations with anyone at Rockwell go something like this, one of two ways. Way number one is how fucking dare you? <laughs> so they'll say way number one will be like, you know, who the hell do you think you are? And I'll be, and I'll, and I'll lay out, this is exactly who I think I am. Okay. This is, this is my background. This is my education. This is my experience. This is what I've done in my career. This is what I, this is who I am. And here's who you are. And I list out the way that they operate. You know what I mean? Um, any company, let me give you an example about Rockwell that just won a really good one that drives me crazy. Uh, everybody has Tech Connect agreements with Rockwell, right? In the old days, you used to get a little card. Um, and um, I had so many clients, or I had so many um, clients who they would have, they were paying tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for their Tech Connect agreement um, with Rockwell Automation. And for like 10 years, they never even used it. They forgot they even had the card. And then we, you know, they would bring us in and we would call, you know, to get some information about their licensing and find out, oh, Tech Connect expired like six months ago. In order for us to answer any of your questions, your client's going to have to renew their Tech Connect agreement, right? And, and therefore, we're not going to do anything for you. You're just, you're shit out of luck, okay? Uh, and now you've got it, they're going to write some $100,000 proposal and it's going to take like 10, 12 months for them to be able to get the money to renew their Tech Connect agreement. And my question would always be to the guys in, um, what is it, where uh, the service is in Ohio. It's in, uh, it's outside of Cleveland. But anyway, my, my question would always be to them, uh, hey, you mean to tell me that the, the million and a half dollars that they spent in the last 10 years on their Tech Connect agreement, where they never used it ever, doesn't buy them an answer on this service call right now, simply because some arbitrary date has passed. That's just one example of how Rockwell is not interested in helping, you know, is not interested in the best, best interest of their clients. That's, you know, and eventually one of these days, someone from Rockwell is going to agree to come on our podcast and defend the company. Um, but up until this point, no one has uh, accepted the offer. Um, and uh, I hope one day somebody does. All right. Long, that was a long uh, diatribe, but I feel much better now. I feel like I, I'm happy I got that off my chest. Uh, Paul Hine, last two questions real quick, and then we'll get off here. Um, is this the most current OT reference architecture from the I, uh, the consortium? Uh, 131-2017. No, that, I don't think that's the newest one. There's a new one from last year. Uh, I'll, hey, we'll, get, we'll send the, I'll get the latest document for Paul. And perhaps someone could formalize some of what Walker's been putting on the whiteboard. My interest is to determine what the preferred open data ingest method is for the UNS. Is it MQTT spark plug B? The answer is it's preferred is MQTT, but I mean, there's many, um, there are many protocols that'll work. Uh, you know, DMP3, the DMP3 protocol and standard will work. Um, you know, uh, AMQP will work from Microsoft. I mean, there's many messaging queue style technologies that will work. Um, but, uh, and to answer your question, um, we're going to be working with Sesame to formalize this standard. 
So there will be, and, and you'll, it'll be available through Sesame. If, if, uh, I ever reach back out to Roy. Um, and then the last, uh, thanks for answering the question about the federating site level UNS beyond the showcased energy project. What have been some other use cases for this architecture? When has it not been a good fit? Uh, so what he's talking about is, um, what he's talking about is this. So this is the, uh, you know, this is your federated architecture. I just have a better slide of it, um, where, you know, UNS unified namespaces that basically stack up, you know, as you go up the, the stack, you, um, you, you continue to unify. The answer to your question is there is no, there is no scenario that I've ever come across where that isn't the correct architecture or where, where it's not effective. Where, but, but there are scenarios where it has a higher return on investment and, 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 you know, ROI is not, you know, is not, ROI is not always equal. Um, where you're going to see maximum return on investment is in industries where the, the disparate systems are connected over like serial networks, you know, cellular, satellite, VSAT, that kind of stuff. You're going to see maximum ROI in low latency, low bandwidth um, networks. Uh, but it's a good fit everywhere. It's a great point that the answer to many of these questions are a function of the problem one's trying to solve. Going beyond solving a specific problem, I believe it's beneficial to consider different scenarios and architectures. It enables a more thorough knowledge, even if every use case is not applicable. In other words, it's always better to know why something depends rather than simply it depends. Um, the, let me, the minimum technical requirements for IAOT solution you have to have a single source of truth for all data and information in order for you to be able to scale in order for you to be able to, um, not spend all of your time refactoring for some data point you missed. You have to have some type of unified namespace that is structure and events are managed centrally for all nodes in the ecosystem. And that isn't going to change. Okay. That's going to be, you know, that is the way that digital transformation succeeds. Okay. Where, where things vary is, is how do we plug, how do we get the data from the nodes into the infrastructure, the unified namespace? That's where the solution is going to be dependent upon the problem. Okay. Um, the enterprise unified namespace example was primarily centered around federating site US board. Is it common to have it federate downwards to the sites? Yes. Let me refer you to the rule of Borg. What any node knows, all nodes know, okay? The answer is, when I show you this architecture here, um, one of the things that I point out is um, the, uh, this site right here, this site, this may be a plant where I only, inside this unified namespace, I only see the unified namespace for my plant. But that doesn't mean that this plant can't subscribe to the enterprise unified namespace and pull the whole thing back down. The, what you see in the unified namespace in terms of the federation is a function of what you are subscribing to. And that is an architectural decision. You may decide that the site, the plant is not going to subscribe to all of the enterprise data. 
but you may decide that it's going to subscribe to just some of it, right? There may be a sister plant or a business unit that you want it to consume that the, the data from uh, the, a business unit, and you'll make that decision on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, in terms of applications, so SCADA and Historian plugging into the unified namespace, do you have them pull from their site or the enterprise, the site? Um, if both, does it get complicated maintaining the apps with versions deployed locally in enterprise? Um, remember, the UNS is omnipresent and om in omniscient. So no matter where I go within the organization, the, the structure and the events are going to be identical in the unified namespace. So you, I won't see, it's not like there's an update. There are, it's not like there's a, a subscription that has a delay in the update. If I'm federating a piece of data up to the, the enterprise level and, and some other plant is subscribing to data from my plant, the moment I update it at my unified namespace, it gets updated at all instances of the unified namespace. Um, but your SCADA applications, your, all of your plant level applications are going to, um, they're going to get their information from their, their local broker. In terms of thinking multi-site ignition implementations, how does the role of the gateway area network change when using an enterprise UNS? In a previous video, there was a mention of a federated tag provider. All right. In terms of gateway area network, when we're talking about ignition specifically here, so now this is not, this is solution specific, not technology driven. Um, we only use the gateway area network in ignition um, for EAM. So enterprise administration, when we're using the enterprise administration module, that actually uses the gateway area network. Um, and that's how the, how the ignition gateways all talk to one another. So if I want to do like distributed licensing management or project management, I can do that through using the EAM. So that's what we use the gateway area network for. And then the only other thing we use it for is remote tag providers. So I may have an enterprise ignition gateway that's got enterprise applications running on it. And then I may have a plant level ignition gateway that's got tag providers in ignition that are serving OPC tags. I can use the gateway area network to create a remote tag provider where the tags that live inside this ignition gateway also live in my enterprise gateway through a remote tag provider. But that is solution specific. That is not the same thing as a unified namespace because the gateway area network is unique to ignition and remote tag providers are unique to ignition. Zach, any other questions? Let's see. Um, could we use the UNS to uh, unit ICT systems in government healthcare? All systems are fragmented here in Ireland, causing problems with vaccine deployment. The answer is, yeah. There's, there's no. I mean, we use. So, give me an example of how I use a unified namespace. I use a unified namespace. Um, and our time management system. So we have a time management system that uses a unified namespace for my engineering firm. Okay. Totally unrelated to, you know, there's no machine connectivity. It's, it's all human data and database data, but there's a unified namespace, namespace constructed on our technology stack that has the whole master data model and all of the current values for all of the nodes in our unified namespace. I use a unified namespace in this house, actually. Um, there's a UNS running on a Raspberry Pi in, in this house. Um, and it, 
it's married with a UNS from a house in Dallas. So um, there's no, there really is no, um, the, the unified namespace is not an industrial um, concept. It's a tool for solving problems and creating ecosystems that plug into other technologies. Correct. That's exactly what it is. It just so happens that the, the largest, the unified namespace built on an MQTT technology stack um, is, is what has been missing in industry. It, if you look at verticals across the world in, in, you know, um, in industry, there are a lot of innovative, there's a lot of innovation that hasn't taken place in manufacturing because to innovate would cost too much money and take too much time. This technology stack eliminates those first two barriers. It makes every, every solution you want to develop, um, you know, cost a third as much and take half the time. You know what I mean? That, that's the reason that we, we took this. I mean, if you look at MQTT, right? Arlen Nipper and his co-inventor developed the technology for industry in the late 1990s. And the only wide adopter was Philip 66. Okay. Stop sharing for a second. Or are yeah. you still sharing? Yeah. Go right, ahead. Cool. No, you're good. I just wanted what to. Was the, what was the reason you had me stop sharing? Oh, cause I wanted to, this is a good story. I wanted to um, be able to see you share the story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Full screen. So, so Arlen, when Arlen Nipper invented MQTT in the late nineties, it was he and, and it through a partnership with IBM. That's why he's a co-inventor. He, they developed the MQTT for, I, I'm pretty sure it was Philip 66. I know that the, the oldest in, um, implementation of this technology stack is the Philip 66 implementation. Okay. Um, they developed this technology for industry, but it wasn't adopted by industry. Why? Because we live in a highly political, it, you know, industrial automation is a highly politicized environment. Okay. And there, and the players who influence everything, the big companies who influence the technology, if they, if, if, if you introduce a technology that is going to damage their business model, then they're going to make sure your technology doesn't see the light of day. So here's what happened. MQTT sat on the shelf and it started getting adopted in commercial applications. And the first or the, the biggest, the biggest example of where MQTT was being used was in Facebook messenger. Remember when we Facebook Messenger first came out, one of the coolest features was, oh, when somebody's typing, you can see the ellipses, right? And that has to do with the fact that I'm subscribing to the namespace of our message connection with, the, with that other client. And it's a stateful connection. So when they start typing, there's a topic that gets published saying they're, topping, they're typing, it's a one. So then you see the ellipses, right? Facebook Messenger uses MQTT. And so what happened was the technology got a wide adoption in, in commercial applications. The same thing with Microsoft's messaging queue, right? So when you look at um, Microsoft's MQ technology, it was all adopted widely commercially first, right? And then here's what happened. Arlen Nipper decided to, 
to take another bite at the apple 15 years after he invented the technology. And he, he went to a bunch of major companies. Um, I, he, he haven't given me permission to share this, so I'm not going to share the names of the companies, but I would, if I knew that he wouldn't care, but, uh, he went to a major SCADA company. Um, one of the largest ones in the world and several of them actually. And he offered to partner with them to use MQTT in their solutions. And, and the biggest, and all of them turned him down. Okay. And then he came across inductive automation. Uh, maybe this is like probably six, seven years ago now. And he went to ICC and uh, he, he met with inductive automation and those guys thought it was a brilliant idea. Yeah, we absolutely want it. And they supported him in developing the first Cirrus-Link MQTT modules. He came to ICC and he did a demonstration at ICC in front of a packed house to show the power of using this architect, this technology, how you could create um, super, super lightweight, but incredibly high value applications in a fraction of the time. You could create self-aware systems. And when you, um, you could do it all over like serial networks and cellular connections, you could pull in thousands of tags every second um, over a cellular network where it's not even possible to do the same thing using OPC over a cellular network using a pull response technology. He absolutely floored the event. There was one thing that everyone talked about at that ICC, and it was CirrusLink and their MQTT modules and how they have fundamentally changed industry forever. And it just happened and we saw it with our own eyes, okay? Since that time, MQTT has, there were people who came out, um, the guy from Real-Time Automation who I talked to at, at um, um, uh, I can't remember which, uh, which show it was, but when, it, when that first launch happened, it was really CirrusLink and Ignition and inductive automation, they were the leaders. And, and, and had it not been for inductive automation, MQTT would never have seen the light of day. This technology would not have seen the light of day. Okay. It wouldn't have because all of the other companies said no. Well, guess what? Six years later, that first major big SCADA player who we talked to all the time, who turned down Arlen Nipper and Cirruslink, they signed on with CirrusLink as a partner last year towards the end of the year. The, the point is this, is that, you know, the, everything that we've been preaching, you know, all, all that we, I, I was there in the room when, when Arlen Nipper presented and I was all in from the moment he said it. I walked up, I literally walked up and, and asked a question to him in that session. And then he flew to Dallas and met me in my office and I've been all in on that technology since day one. And we started implementing it. I want to say I was there. I feel like I was there when Arlen Nipper was there at the Dallas office. I'm pretty the sure. One we're next to Esri. Right? Yeah, the one that was in the same office building as Esri. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing him. Yeah, Arlen, Arlen came Nipper, and yeah. Keith and or, uh, Kurt and, you know. Um, but here, here's my point. My point is, is that this technology is not new. This technology was invented in the 90s. But because of poor leadership in industry, because of the big boys being focused on um, you know, profitability at all costs, 
solution driven, solution driven. We're going to own the stack, all that kind of shit. Shitty content. We have not seen, right. We have not seen, um, wide adoption until just the last few years. And now, by the way, it's all over the place. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we meet. Uh, We, I just, we did a kickoff this morning for a digital transformation maturity assessment. We had a three hour session with one of, you know, one of the largest companies in the world. And, um, you know, we were going through the assessment and we were meeting with the corporate guys and we asked the question on IIoT and they have a, you know, they have a, a manufacturing IOT group and that group has, has adopted MQTT as their protocol and standard, the Sparkle B is their standard. And, and that was, that's, that was unheard of three years ago. I mean, it is wide adoption across the globe. So um, I don't remember what the original question was, but I, I, if I didn't answer yeah, it in that long um, diatribe. I do. Yes. I'll never answer um, One question came up. Um, so I know we had originally talked about doing the ne- next mastermind in, in end of February. Vaughn and I had scheduled it for the end of February. Is there like, what incentive do, can we offer people to sign up in, before end of January for mastermind? Excuse They can uh, sign up at any time. What's the incentive to sign up today? Um, well, be well in order for you to be in the february well i mean let's just do the we'll do the session at the beginning of february okay so we're going to push the session to the beginning of february guys sign up and yeah um, the the next session is going to be um almost certainly it's going to be uh historian and the unified namespace and how they work topic yes the reason why people want to sign up and uh at the earliest, probably uh, looking like second week in February. First week is full. Okay. okay. Well, what if we did it? We could do it on. We're going to do it on a Friday, and it, and these these sessions will be two hours a month. Um, but yeah, the the next session will is going to be UNS and historian because that right there that's the number one question we keep getting. Yeah. Is how does a historian work with the unified namespace? And Dave Schultz has given a couple of answers. He's already, Dave's already taken it a, a few steps further. I mean, if the, if you look at the guys who've been most active in the content, it, you know, Dave is, you know, right at the top of the list. I can't, I'm trying to think of, there's like four or five guys that have basically done everything. And if you look at where they are relative to the rest of the community, I mean, you know, they've advanced, you know, light years. So but Dave, yeah, so Dave just, Schultz posted about how he's using the UNS with uh, with Historian. But we're yeah, going to be so, going over that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, just to bring it up, um, you know, because like I said, we kind of switched from the quarterly to the monthly mastermind for your guys' benefit. And so we're not really doing like early bird discount or anything like that. Like what you see is what you get. You can sign up at any time. Then obviously the incentive being the sooner you sign up, the sooner you can join us on the next monthly mastermind. So Correct. Thanks guys. And, and, and I, I like this idea, actually. I, I, I was really skeptical on the idea actually initially. Um, and I kind of shot it down the first couple of times it was brought up. Um, but after talking with other members of the community who would rather have it this way, as opposed to the longer sessions once a quarter, and we kind of do them as monoliths, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. So um, any other questions that I didn't get to? I think that's it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Appreciate it. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share the video. Yeah, like, subscribe, share. You know, we we need to do one of those like real cool animations that other people do.
where they go and they show hey, real, they real, show. real pars has a really nice like uh sonic branding at the beginning yeah uh, watch mojo i like the way watch mojo does there i you know what's funny i really like real pars's uh channel a lot but yeah. sometimes they make videos that i'm like it was like a, i don't know sometimes they make their video make videos that i there are a couple of videos what that is it, made. what is a digital input <laughs> Yeah, a couple of times they've made some videos where I'm like, man, that was just a that was not necessary, and B, I probably wouldn't have said it like that. But, Anyways, yeah. we'll see you guys yeah. next week, guys. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Thanks.